We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. And that, to me, speaks to just the culture. It speaks to them. It doesn't really say much about me. I'm just, I'm just the guy who brings the idea forward. I don't have to execute. You know, I, I might be the plan and the, and the check guy, but they're the do. And if you think about that cycle. And for me, I, I get very excited when they, the default answer is never no. But you know what? When it comes the other way, my default answer is usually not no. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Hey, everyone. Here we go with the second half of our episode with Mike Rubin. You know, in the first half, we had such a great discussion about all the phenomenal things he's doing over there at Uxbridge High School, where they're really creating so many post-secondary high school opportunities for students. And they did it through a process of reaching out to the community, working with them, and then Mike bringing it back making sure he supported, empowered, and engaged his teachers to make sure that they had the tools they needed and they could build these pathways for students. In this episode, Mike digs down a little bit deeper. He starts talking about how people make mistakes and you have to provide them the latitude to do that. He gives us a bunch of strategies when he's talking about making sure initiatives are valuable enough for people to buy in and how you front load information because one bad decision can ruin a lot of good decisions. So, hey, Let's get to listening to Mike give us some more fantastic advice on how to better support, engage, and empower our teachers. Putting it all together, I mean, like I had I had mentioned before that we're talking about the trust piece, and it's not, it's almost like with the teachers, it's a, um, not a I have to, but instead I get to type of attitude. Yeah, and- that's a great way of putting it, Chris. And And, you know, I remember a couple of years ago when I had brought in you know, this, this, you know, kind of, I don't know, it was, it was, it was a different kind of, of software program that somebody had brought us on um, a design program. It was, it's called fusion. And I, I don't, I don't know a lot about this. So my wife's an interior designer. She works in AutoCAD. Um, there's a couple of other programs that are used. And one of our, our business partners had said fusion is like Google docs, but for design. So you're going to have two kids working on the same document, the same design, like you and I are right now in real time. And, you know, I brought it to the teacher and I said, how hard is this going to be to use? 
And it became, again, it was, wait, we get to work with kids in other schools now. We get to work with kids that are like maybe in another part of the country. I said, yeah. He goes, oh yeah, we can do this. Yeah. yeah. We can make that work. It will make it work. And that to me speaks to just the culture. It speaks to them. It doesn't really say much about me. I'm just, I'm just the guy who brings the idea forward. Uh, I don't have to execute. You know, I, I'm, I'm the, I might be the plan and the, and the check guy, but they're the do. And um, if you think about that cycle and for me, I, I just, I get very excited when they, the default answer is never no, but you know what, when it comes the other way, my default answer is usually not no. So if somebody were to come to me and say, Hey, I've got a couple of kids that need to, a, a great example was the elementary school had reached out. They needed something to support a young man who needed uh, toileting assistance. Like he was handicapped and it was going to take some time. This became a project for the kids. And so it was, can we send our kids, if we get permission, can we send our kids down to the elementary school during their class period? If I take our van, can I drive them? If I only have five kids, can, can you find coverage for the other two or three who wouldn't be involved in this project? And the, and the answer is always yes. Right. It, right. It's, it's not, it, it might be, let me think about how we can do this. But the default answer is never, uh, no, no, we, we don't do things that way. In fact, we had a little jar on, our, on my desk for a while that said, if anybody said, we've never done it that way before, they had to throw a dollar in. So we, uh, we did away with that statement a long time ago. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like at your school, that jar is pretty much empty. So you've got yeah, an empty no, jar on your desk. We, 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 reti- we retired the jar about three years ago because <laughs> I, was getting set. I was tired of looking at the empty jar. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Hey, um so much about this. And I have, I, I do have a couple questions about successes and maybe failures to, to kind of show that it is a whole process and it's, it's moving forward. But the thing I want to do first was um, just take a quick break and hear from some of the show sponsors. And when we come back, we'll, we'll get into more of that. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Better Leaders, Better Schools Mastermind. The Mastermind is built on the ABCs of powerful professional development, authenticity, belonging, and challenge. With all three components, leaders experience transformation in their personal and professional lives. Personally, I've been a member of the Mastermind for years, and it's transformed my leadership by teaching me how to challenge the status quo and honor my personal vision for what leadership should be. Join me and other leaders from around the world in the Mastermind. You can apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Okay, and we're back with Mike Rubin. And for those of you, you know, who, who just need a quick recap, anything you want to know about getting your school to increase their technical education or get uh, authentic learning in place, you're going to definitely want to go back and re-listen to some of the things that Mike just told us. But on top of that, 
I just wanted to, if I could, Mike, talk about the idea of it's not always wins. And that's that's one of the things we said right from the beginning, that every day is different. And so sometimes we have we have those tougher days. Do you remember any any tough time that you had and and what might have worked for your leader at the time to help support or empower you in that situation? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that, you know, we were all completely prepared for the last year and a half. So the last yeah. year and a half. <laughs> yeah. Nothing in the last year and a half threw me for a loop. No, you nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah, yeah everything was perfect. Uh, no, in all in all seriousness, you know, I, I I think a lot has taught me, and not everything at, at Oxbridge has been has been letter perfect. But I will say there have been I think some of those formative years when I was first an assistant principal, I wasn't always grateful for it then, but I'm grateful for it now that I was given the latitude to screw up a few times, and I recall one situation where our principal was working very hard on like an RTI model, a student support team model. And she had gotten called out to something involving the other principals and the superintendent and had had said to me, look, we have this faculty meeting. You've been sort of involved in the conversation. You can handle delivering this to the staff. And I probably wasn't as prepared as I needed to be, uh, certainly not to the depth that she had been. And I walked into the cafeteria and I presented that those slides and there was not a lot of support for the model that we were moving forward. I think part of it was I had made it seem very labor intensive. And to a lot of people, I'm just going to use a phrase I use every once in a while. They did not see that the juice was going to be worth the squeeze. And they, they were angry. I don't think it helped that it was you know, like the third week in May. You know, you know, it, and the news that I was delivering was not fun. It was, you know... Look at here's some of our attendance data. Here's some of our failure rates. Here are some of the kids that have have not done well. These are not things people really want to. These are not like conversations for me. And people were already tired. You know, we were we were on the tail end of a superintendent search. It, it had been a, a, a kind of a, a challenging year of transition from you know different administrations, and you know it, it was I was at the end of my first year as an assistant principal. We were dealing with some some student behaviors, and quite honestly, the, the staff didn't want to be talked at, and that's what I did. I, I talked at them for a good forty minutes, and then when they complained about it, I threw up my hands and said, "All right, guys, well, if this isn't something you want to do, and we'll just do it for you at the beginning of next year, and you'll be stuck with it either way." And you know, I miss I missed an opportunity. I missed an opportunity to to say you know what? Hey, this is really good feedback. I got like super defensive and went to a really bad place. And I, fortunately, you know, these were people who had been my colleagues. I had, I had taught and coached and was actually still coaching with them at the time. And a couple people kind of brought me aside the next day and, and, and said, you know, Mike, not good, not good at all. Uh, you've got to, you got to build, you're going to have to rebuild some bridges. People are upset. Your tone was condescending. It was the first time they said you stopped seeming like you were like working with us and we were you were talking at us. You, you didn't stop for questions and uh, you didn't seem comfortable with it. They didn't seem comfortable with it. You got a mess to clean up. And we're telling you this because we know you, you know, we're, we were your colleagues. One of the people who came and saw me, my department head, he, he shut the door in my office and he said, oh, Michael. Oh, Mike, 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 Mike. And, and, and I was like, oh, I got the full first name. No. Um, and so I learned from it, you know, and 
it, it taught me the value of like preloading information with people who, who, uh, you know, send out an agenda ahead of time. Nobody's going to be walking in blind. Let, let's, if this is going to be a monumental shift, maybe we're taking it step by step rather than huge chunk all at once. Let's, and let's meet people where they are. If I'm using words like RTI and there are academic teachers in the room that have no idea what that is. And the counselors are looking at it going, wait a second, we're going to have to process all these referrals now. I didn't take into account the human side of it. To me, it just seemed like it made sense. Like, okay, well, kids are struggling. If they're struggling, refer them to guidance. We'll have a student assistance team. You know, we'll build in some different supports. That wasn't how the message got internalized because that's not how the message was externalized. And so I have done, I think, from that point in time, I spent probably the better part of the next three or four months of school and I mean months, like into November, December of the following school year, rebuilding relationships with the the people that I had I had really isolated myself against. And though and it and the, what it taught me is you can do a lot of good and you can you can expire a lot of that capital in one bad decision. Yeah, that's um that's that's a great lesson from that and the idea that um, you had those relationships. So any leader that's new to a place um, definitely has to be very careful because you had the, you had, and I mean, I know it doesn't seem it, but you had the luxury of being able to build those relationships back. And oh. it still took you three months the following year. Oh, oh yeah. And, 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 and I'm not going to say I haven't stepped in potholes or landmines since um, we all, we all do as, as leaders make, make some, some mistakes or, or, push a button that you didn't realize was the nuclear one with a, with a culture. You know, I, I, I didn't realize, you know, uh, something, something really is, as uh, you know, I didn't realize when I, I, we had called a, a before school meeting, one of the schools I had worked at before I came here and I needed to talk to a bunch of teachers about a, about, about a student. So I sent an email out at like, you know, I'd gotten some information after hours, uh, school resource officer gave me a call. I was the, I was the dean and I sent a, I sent a message out to the, the 10 or 12 teachers and said, you know, I, I have an urgent meeting to, to discuss with you tomorrow. If you could be at school 15 minutes early, what I didn't take into account was three of those teachers had dealt with a student who had passed away the year before. And so that brought back for them a whole level of trauma that I just didn't know. I didn't have the history and I didn't have anybody in the building to tell me about that history because I, I just hadn't been there. I, you know, I was, I was, I'd been in the, in the job there for maybe three or four months. And all I could do is approach it, approach it afterwards with compassion and sincerity and learn that while we don't always like to give a lot of information in those emails about a student or about a situation, because it, you know, you don't, you never know where it could get forwarded. I, I needed to front load information. It's same lesson, different context. Hey guys, uh, to have a student to discuss with you, it is not necessarily something that is X, Y, or Z. And uh, if you have any concerns, call me tonight because you're worried about this message. Having somebody there that can support the staff member, if it's not me, has you know that having that emotional quotient for there, there's somebody who's going to struggle with this news that I'm about to deliver. Um, as much as I have to insulate myself and compartmentalize it myself for this moment. If there's somebody who can't do that, I need to be there for them as well. And I, I will tell you that that those are hard lessons to learn because you'll only learn them when you make a mistake. 
And those are mistakes. None of us, we're in the people business. We don't like hurting people. We don't like making people sad, upset, threatened, vulnerable. We don't like any of that professionally or personally. And sometimes if you're in an organization with hundreds of people, it's hard to know all the backstories. So you have to take that time. If the one thing I wish I had learned was I wish I had learned the history of that community of those couple of years. And so it became my entry plan when I got to Oxbridge. I asked a lot of those questions. You know, what are some of the unwritten rules? What are some of the unspoken things that people talk, you know, uh, Roland Barthes, what, what are the things people talk about if they, uh, at the water cooler? When the principal's back is turned. <laughs> right, right, right. What are the non-discussables? Let's make them discussable. Yeah, and that's, those are, that's a gem right there. Those are key questions that anybody wants to ask when they, when they come into a place new. I, um, we're getting to the end of this, but I have to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest on this podcast. If you were not a leader of a school, who, not what would you be? Who not what? Well, I can't go back to be the center field of the Red Sox, right? Yeah. You mean that you mean that ship sailed? Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> you only have five tools. I, I didn't have one. So yeah. uh, here, here I am. I could have been a pinch runner maybe then. Um, yeah. No, I think for me, um, my choice actually, I, I would I would probably, I, for those who don't know, I, I do some sports casting on the side. So I think I would probably be doing something in that uh, in that realm. But I'll be very, very candid. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't miss that English classroom. And I will tell any person who aspires to be in a position of leadership that the most important thing you can do when you go to become a leader is do it when you still love the classroom because you'll have such a great appreciation for what happens in it every day. So who would I be? I would hope I would be one heck of an English teacher still um, if I weren't a leader. That's awesome. They, you know, and you almost started to ask my second question. It's about everybody listening to this podcast. And be, before we hit that, because you talked about the idea of you missing the English class and so forth. But I, I did realize, and I don't want to glaze over it too much, the lesson that you were talking about in your previous answer, where it was more for leaders not to get defensive um, in certain situations and to give teachers that latitude to mess up, to make mistakes. I mean, where, where do we learn most? I mean, you know, I mean, I, I coached and, you know, when I coached track and field and I coached the jumpers, you know, we ask kids to stretch. We ask them to, to push themselves. We ask them to try and three-step over a hurdle. You know, if you're a side coach soccer, I coach my daughter's soccer team now. And it's great that my daughter's got a great right foot, but I want her to have a great left foot. And that's frustrating. So the classroom is the same way. Like there are going to be students who are going to be great readers. When they walk in, maybe they're not great writers. Make them write. You know, you might be the most technologically savvy person in the room, but you're not great when it comes to having a discussion. So learn how to structure a discussion. You'll have more tools. Than you now you'll become that five-tool center fielder, you know, which which we all aspire to be. That was that was a great loop back to the center field answer. Yeah, right. <laughs> you you might you sound like you may have been broadcasting at some point or something. Oh, I might have. <laughs> yeah. I might be. Uh, might, maybe, here or there, maybe here or there. Yeah. A game or a thousand somewhere along the way. Right. I, you know, I always find it amazing when I'm, when I'm talking to um, other leaders and, and so forth. And, and sometimes I fall prey to this as well. And I, I have a, a thing that I remind myself with is why do we get away from the idea of leadership is coaching? Uh, you um, know, it's, it's a great question. So much of what we do is about making people believe in themselves. 
Right. Um, right. You know, you know, how many, how many times did you go out there in an, in a, against an opponent and know that the other team on paper was better than you? They were stronger. They were bigger. They were faster. And you still went out there and you gave it a shot. You might still have lost 51 to seven and not covered the spread, but you still went out there and, and you never gave up on a play. You, you wouldn't dare. And there are days when you walk in and you know, the class in front of you is struggling and they're re- they're reading at a grade level below or the, the test scores are here, but we make people believe that they're making a difference for those kids. The same as my track coaches, my soccer coaches, my baseball coaches made me believe that we were capable of being more than we were and occasionally knock off a, a really good opponent. Man, that's, uh, I was just remembering back and talking to my wife about it. Actually, I have a, a coach from high school and for anybody that doesn't know, high school was quite a while ago for me, <laughs> but um, I, I had a coach in high school. He was my football coach, got me interested in wrestling um, and was my wrestling coach. And he actually came to my wedding because he stayed involved in my life. And this guy gave speeches at halftime. I, I can, I could give his speeches names <laughs> because I still remember this day. And I remember speeches where there were, there were times we'd go into the halftime building at halftime and he would just, the way he held himself, the way he gave a speech, he would just inspire us to perform better than we ever could because we believed in ourselves. That's awesome. Uh, you know, and, and, and that's, that's our job. I mean, you know, I mean, let's face it, you and I, we, we can't be content experts at everything. Uh, I can't be, you know, and if I were a, if I were a, a football coach, I might know linebackers, I might know, but I can't be an expert in everything. You know, a great head coach will know who to put in positions where they can be successful and inspire them to do so. And th- that's our job. That's been our job with authentic learning. It's, it's about helping people in, inspired by what they believe in what they believe they could be or can be or will be. And, and that's, that's really powerful. That's a huge, you know, when you asked me, you know, way back at the beginning about, you know, being, you know, what, what I see my role as a leader, that that's it right there. And if people think about treating tomorrow as a, as an opportunity, I said this to a student today, I said, listen, I'm not asking you to have a great week. I'm asking you to have a great period. And then next period, have a great period again. Pretty soon you put together an okay day. If you do that again tomorrow, then maybe we'll talk about a good end of your week. Then we'll talk about it on Monday. I don't want to talk about like where you're going to be when it's time to graduate. I guarantee you, you string together a decent enough period by period, you'll be all right. Yeah, that's, and you know, you've said so much already that leans into this last question, but I'm going to ask you this question anyways, because I'm going to see if there's I'm going to see if there's any more juice in the squeeze, as as you put it. I hope so. I'm sure there is. When it's all said and done, when the dust settles, what's the most important piece of advice you can give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower teachers? So I have have two quotes on my wall that never go away. One is uh, something I used to teach, Emerson's, complacency is the hobgoblin of small minds. Uh, the second is a musician who I don't actually listen to, but I, I really like the, <laughs> the quote uh, from Frank Zappa. And it says, without deviation from the norm, progress is not possible. And when you put those two things together and you start thinking about, A, never being complacent. You know, I, I find complacency to be dangerous. You know, it's so easy to just wash, rinse, repeat, go to the coal mines, metropolis style. And it's 
That's, that's not, that's not this job. That's not the kids. That's not our communities. People demand more of us. And I, I believe that if we show an iota of complacency, then the criticism that is sometimes vested on public educators may be deserved. So I, I will never be a complacent person. Yes, we have our days. We all do. But in some, we cannot be complacent. And if you're doing something the same way, I think this is a John Dewey quote, when you, if you do something the same way of yes, today as you did yesterday, you rob kids of tomorrow. That's Frank Zappa's quote kind of in a nutshell. We, we really need to start thinking of, I always try to think of, of let's make progress. That doesn't mean that everything needs to change all the time. That doesn't mean if it's not broken, you break it. But it does mean that we sometimes have to think about things in different layers and different dimensions to make progress. And that means, you know, avoiding complacency and not being afraid to deviate from the norm. That is a fantastic place to leave this. <laughs> I don't want to say There's a little more juice there. A little more. I, there was there was a lot more juice there. I um that I mean that's that's a perfect that's a that's a perfect ending to to this excellent episode. Tell you I I can't imagine Mike, I, I want to get in touch with you. You'll be you'll be hearing from me about a number of things, but I can't imagine somebody listening to this not wanting to reach out to you. So what's what's the best way people can get in touch with you, follow you? Oh, sure. Um, so I I first of all, thanks for having me. I mean, really, uh, I I love that this is a mechanism for us to expand our network uh, as leaders, as educators, and as people. You know, that, so thank you for doing this. It's it's it's, it's fun for me to listen to people who aren't me. I won't listen to myself. Um, but, uh, I, I, I greatly appreciate the opportunity. And if people out there want to, want to visit us in Uxbridge, talk to our teachers, more importantly, talk to our kids. They're used to having people come bopping in. We miss having visitors. I miss having visitors. So they're coming back. You're always welcome to email me. My email address is mrubin, M-R-U-B-I-N at uxbridgek one two dot ma dot us our website uxbridgeschools.com you can you know visit our website you can follow me on twitter uh uxbhs principal but you know if you email me if you tweet at me if you take a look at our website and you get in touch with us somehow people want to visit people just want to chat people want to have a zoom call we'll do anything because we believe in in what we're doing here i believe in my staff and the kids and i really love the idea of 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 sharing ideas and being part of a of a much much grander network than just you know our little town here in the Blackstone Valley and halfway between Worcester and, and Providence. So either way, you're <laughs> there might not be a ton of places in Oxford. There's a couple places I can refer you for lunch, but Providence and Worcester are good stops too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, um, Mike, seriously, thank you very much. This was well beyond my expectation. I mean, I had high hopes to begin with, but just some of the stuff that you laid down. And like I said, I'll definitely be in touch. And I'm I'm sure other people. Thanks. And as my grandfather would be saying, Chris, my grandfather would say, hey, you fooled another one, kid. So no, no, not at all. <laughs> no, you're you're definitely to use your own word for you from the beginning. You are definitely authentic. You're you're the you're the real deal. Uh, that means more to me than anything. So thank you. All right. Thanks again. And uh, thank you, sir. Nice talking to you. Pleasure. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step 
Be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.